Lifestyle is medicine when done right, especially food choices, and has the potential to eliminate 80% of chronic disease. Our mission is to be the trusted signal of truth based on the weight of the evidence that rises above the deafening noise of misinformation. We offer you a no-nonsense and enjoyable approach to the fundamentals of nutrition and wellness. Our goal is to give you simple and actionable strategies so you can make smart, health-promoting decisions every day. Welcome to the True Health Revealed podcast. I am your host, registered dietitian nutritionist, Kathleen Zellman, and today I have a very special guest. Dr. Pamela Peek is an internationally renowned expert and speaker, TEDxer in areas of women's health, fitness, nutrition. You might have seen her on national television networks where she's a regular medical correspondent. She blogs. She has her own podcast called Her. She is a three times New York Times bestselling author, founder of the Peak Performance Center for Healthy Living, and she's also a member of our True Health Initiative Council. You will soon hear her incredible passion and wisdom, how she helps translate some cutting edge science and help people understand about the importance of health. I have to just tell a quick story that I first met Pam in 2006 in Washington, D.C., where we shared the stage at the National Governors Association on promoting a healthier America. And that's when I knew this woman was someone to follow, someone to admire, because she's so motivational and she's so committed to doing exactly what she promotes. So She's helping raise awareness on the urgent need for Americans, not just women, of all ages to live healthier, more active lives. So today, to enlighten us and motivate us, I warmly welcome Dr. Pam Peek. Oh, my goodness. Warmly welcome. (laughs) You don't like that? (laughs) I kind of like it, you know. Oh, Oh, my gosh. You brought back some real memories from that governor's meeting. Oh my goodness I know. gracious. I know. Way yeah. back then we we're talking about the same things we still continue to talk about. I know. Um, but yet we need to keep the drive alive and help people understand. So let's kick it off, Pam. I want to start with the big picture. How to help people take their health more seriously. Because you know, you don't just eat that junk food diet and, and get sick. You know, it's they call it chronic diseases because it takes almost a lifetime before you do. So how do you help people disrupt their comfort zones? And, you know, that resonates with me, but how do you help them choose courage and not comfort and really make those kind of commitments? All right. So the first thing I do is I stop medicalizing everything and and turning Mm. this into some kind of a, you know, a, a health class in high school or something. Nobody listens to that stuff. It went in one ear and out the other. And it, it was just... Um, What I like to do instead is ask people to sit back and and just have a moment of self-reflection and say, what gives you meaning and purpose in life? What's important to you? So let's just say for grins, you're a man or a woman who says, my God, I just want to see my kids grow up. I want to be there for them, you know, when they're graduating, you know, getting married, I don't know, whatever the the new PC ways of saying this are. But, um, you know, uh, I want to be there for them. And and I I really want to make this work. Well, okay, 
I think that that has tremendous meaning and purpose. So let's talk about how you're going to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Because to say one thing, you know, come up with a great idea is one thing, but great ideas are nothing without a plan. What's your plan? So how do you see yourself doing that? And once you do that, instead of, you know, kind of coming externally saying, oh, all your metrics and your numbers are off and you got to fix this up, you know, you're not going to get anywhere with that. What you want to do is just go to where it's meaningful for that person. So let's just say the person said, oh, man, I um, never even thought about that. Most people don't. Most people do not think about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. They just think, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll just sort of be dealing with that however I do it. I'll just riff right through it. No, you need a plan. That's the way it works. And so then you start coming up with incredibly small steps. If you want to be there for your kids, right, then what you have to do is find small sticky sustainable steps all my so when you S's. say sticky what sticky do you mean meaning sticky. they're sustainable okay meaning that you know you're not doing some faddish thing that you can only do for one day and then you just gave up got it um so if i ask you to just simply get off your little behind and take a 30 minute walk every day could you do it absolutely if you, if you can't do a 30 minute can you do a 15 minute can you start somewhere and begin to build. That's all I'm asking. Start somewhere and begin to build. And then, you know, uh, start at a point where it's ludicrous to say, I can't do that. So if I say, can you walk for 15 minutes? Most people go, oh, come on now. You know, I can do that. Of course, right. Well, good. Prove it to me. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Prove it to yourself. Why don't you do that every day for five days? Show me you could do that. Now, if that's insanely easy like right off the bat, then, you know, hit me up with 30. And if that turns out to be a winner with you, hit me up with 45. Now, does it all have to happen at the same time? Of course not. But can you kind of keep mobilizing throughout the day and accruing enough of those precious steps to be able to make a difference? Heck yeah. And what should the goal be? What should, how, what should you be working towards? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, all the current um, evidence now shows that that original 10,000 steps a day, you know, was just some ad marketing hype from some Japanese businessman a million years ago. <laughs> um, you know, go figure, right? Oh, my God, not more fake news. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, really, honestly, you know what I tell people to do? Just grab your little health app from your like iPhone or whatever and just go through your normal day. Okay. And then next morning, look at how many steps you did or, or that night, you know, when you go to bed and look at how many steps, let's just say it turns out to be 2,500 steps, which I think is one step over death because you <laughs> haven't even moved. Come on now. And so, you know, why don't you do yourself a favor and add 500 steps? Let's see if you can do that. And if you think that that's too, we'll see. How about a thousand and then what you can do is work your way up to doubling that. So what if I was 2,500? Now I'm up to 5,000. Ooh, now we're starting to knock on the door of what uh, scientists now say is very reasonable. And that's somewhere between 6,000 and 8,000. Excellent. So committing maybe about an hour a day that you could potentially accrued, put together? Accrued. Accrued. And that's the main word, accrued. Because most people are just saddled at their desks or, you know, doing something where they really can't, like, 
take a break in a big way. So, you know, five minutes here, 10 minutes there. I also ask people, you know, can you spend uh, 20 bucks on a little set? Oh, you can even just buy one or two if you want to, of rubber tubing um, with the little handles on them. Yeah. Buy them anywhere. Okay. And I'm um, online, whatever. And then keep them by your desk or wherever you happen to be. And you can actually do some of the most easy, basic strength training with those. Ridiculous. Why you you're on a on meeting. Them. Hell <laughs> right? yes. Most, well, actually, another thing to do is find creative ways of continuously moving your body. Now, I, I have a Versa desk. So, you know, it has a, a little motor thing. So I go up and down all day long. I'll stand as long. But you know what? I don't stand. I have one of those little rocker things, you know, that I stand on. It's like a balance board. Sure. And that keeps me engaged. It engages my core. It engages my mm. legs. And so that works also. So I'm constantly just kind of rocking and rolling here. And why is this important? One is because... You want people to know that everybody's struggling with this. I don't care who you are. We're all trying to find ways to wedge this into this insane lifestyle that everyone's put, you know, put together in this 21st century craziness. So we're all in this. Who could be the most creative about, you know, getting some of this done? Here's another thing, right? And that is you want to be strong. Absolutely. Now, I'm a resistance-trained athlete. I'm a senior Olympic triathlete. I'm abs I've been lifting weights, oh my goodness gracious, for over 40 years. And so, you know, I love the feeling of feeling strong. Mm -hmm. And that goes bye-bye if you, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And honey, after the age of 40 and 50, it just disappears. So you need to be able to stay on top of that. Why? Especially for women out there, but for everyone, you want to be physically and mentally independent for as long as you can be so that you can stay strong. You can get up if you fell down, you know, to the floor, by the way. If you fall down, and let's just say you didn't break anything or anything, but you just sort of fell down, there's no one around to help you, all right? You tell me what's going to get you up. What is the actual exercise um, that you do on the ground to get yourself up? Well, if you think about it for a second, it's a push-up. Because mm -hmm. what you have to do is you have to roll over and push yourself up. So you better have all the muscles that you need to be able to pull that off. And, and that means something as simple, takes no equipment, as just dropping down to the floor and then um, doing a simple push-up with bent knees. Mm -hmm. Can you do Planks. that? Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually you straighten out your legs and you could hold a plank or you can just do a full-on push-up. Do you need to do 300? Of course not. What if you could do three that were just crushing it, looking good? Three is phenomenal. Within a couple of weeks, you'll do five to six. Within another couple of weeks or three weeks, you'll do 10. That's the way you build strength over time, but you have to practice it. You can't just do it once, you know, in a blue moon. Well, and it also is important, like you're talking about walking, 
or getting, you know, how much can, how many steps can you take? It's not enough to just do steps. You have to also work on that strength. Well, you have to, you know, it's an integrative approach. So you've got balance, flexibility, endurance. How far can you go? Strength. All of these things are exceptionally important for us to be able to make work. We, we want this to work so that you can stay strong mentally and physically for the rest of your life. Why do I keep saying mentally? It's like, you know, people say, oh, what are you talking about, man? You know, you're talking about like building muscles or whatever. No, 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 no. When you do, especially endurance exercise, you know, those gorgeous walks, you know, pick up the pace, you know, really try to hit it at higher levels when you can, brisk walk, do high intensity interval, you know, training, walking, that kind of thing, or elliptical or whatever you're choosing to do. What you're actually doing is stimulating neurogenesis, which means a fancy word for genesis, generating, making, creating neuro neurons, brain cells. Who doesn't want a bigger brain? We found that when you do this on a routine basis, you build the actual volume in certain parts of your brain, including the hippocampus, which is all about memory. Yeah, the first thing to go. And so... <laughs> I love this, you know, BDNF, that's a brain-derived neurotropic factor, is, is a very, very important brain chemical in, in this discussion. And so you create more BDNF, which is phenomenal because it helps feed into this neurogenesis and again, it's all good. So when you think you're just sort of you know, like working your legs or something, you're not. This is an integrative, holistic experience when you're doing this. And you tell me right now, if you just go out there and do that today, you tell me how good you feel. Those you are those endorphins, right? Well, you, you generate know, the endorphins too. Energy. Yes. You feel so much better. Oh my gosh, right. it's just Because so exercise fabulous. actually gives you back. It pays you back in spades that you might be resistant to get out there, but when you come home, when you come back, you always feel better. Well, you so, know, I'm on the board of the American College of Sports Medicine. And as a board member, you know, we're the group that basically writes the uh, guidelines uh, for national physical activity, everything from just the wonderful person on the street to kids to Olympians. And one of the things I'm really impressed with now is that we are really pushing to turn this more into a mind-body uh, type of experience. And, and you actually help people stay on track by engaging them, one of my uh, people I was working with is a marvelous uh, a, a woman professional, and and she just simply keeps pictures of her kids on her desk. That reminds her, <laughs> I'm doing this for them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm doing yep. that for them. And then another one is an older gentleman who is a major exec, a fabulous guy, and he looked at me straight in the face. He said, you know something? I never, if it's humanly possible, want to have to feel like my kids are going to be burdened with me because I didn't take care of myself and I don't have the strength and the wherewithal to be able to do what I need to do. I don't want that. So my job is to stay strong mentally, 
physically, spiritually, so that I'm the best I can be for as long as I can. And that, as you know, is called the health span, not the lifespan. I don't give a damn about the lifespan. If you're alive forever, but you're miserable, what's the point? But if you have a health span where you can live life in a, in a very vibrant and robust way, then that's what I want. But, but folks, you got to work it. Do the work. Mm Got to do the work. Money in the, in the little piggy bank. There you go. And, you know, take a look at the blue zones and the octogenarians. Part of their lifestyle is regular physical activity. So if you want that long, healthy life, then it's a commitment that you have to make. So let's then talk about, it's not just about physical activity because you could eat a diet of pure junk and you're not going to get there. So share with us your feelings about diet because we know there's no disputing that diet's one of the single most important predictor of health. But we're drowning in a food supply of high calorie, low nutrition foods and unhealthy diets. So what's your perspective on how to feed this body of ours? Well, to your point, you cannot outrun your fork. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, you know, you can work out all you want to. How many of us have gone to a gym and saw someone who's, you know, easily got 20 or 30 to drop, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they show up year after year and they always look the same. (laughs) You're like, well, wait (laughs) a What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, dude, what's up? You know, (laughs) only to find out that the minute they get home, they think they now have a license to just eat everything that's not tacked down. It's like, no, 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 no. So here's the simple way to do this, right? The first thing is whole foods, not ultra processed foods, whole foods. That means whole vegetables, whole fruits, lean proteins from whatever source you may have. It doesn't matter. A nice balance of all of that. I'm a real fan of the Mediterranean, you know, diet kind of, you know, looking Mm -hmm. at the way they really pull it off. But also I am a, a, you know, somebody who says bag all the fads and all the rest of this silliness. Let's go with science. You know, I, I'm just laughing because it's all you hear on, on the news. Well, she was led by science. Um, and, and <laughs> well, it's, it's so our Bible. <laughs> yeah, man, there it is. And so here's the deal. I happen to love the work done by Dr. Sachin Panda at the Salk Institute, as well as Dr. Walter Longo at USC. Now, these are scientists, especially Dr. Panda, who have looked at the circadian rhythm. And I think that what has happened is we eat, and and actually Dr. Panda's uh, early research showed this, we eat like 24-7. It just never ends. It's like, what? Well, it's so widely available, right? Yeah, but it's 24-7 because we got lights, you know, on. And so lights can be on at three in the morning. We're Netflixing it. We're, you know... It just never ends. And I firmly believe in honoring the circadian rhythm, meaning you have 24 hours and those 24 hours affect our very body clocks. And the, in, in, um, about, see, I think it was 2017 or so, 
um, the Nobel Prize um, in Medicine and Physiology was given to uh, three scientists in New York um, who basically identified the first steps in um, uh, how the circadian rhythm is really triggered uh, by the eyes, you know, as you're opening your eyes and beginning the day and all the rest of it. And really brilliant work. And um, they also identified the fact that every single cell in the human body has a has a clock in it. It's not just a superchiasmic uh, nucleus up in the brain. It's every cell in the human body hmm. has a clock. Now, here's what happens. Those clocks go by circadian rhythm. You know, they don't give a damn that you want to stay up until three Netflixing, you know, some series. They adhere and honor the typical innate circadian rhythm. So that means that insulin secretion as a hormone is more optimized earlier in the day and into the early afternoon. So if you're eating mountains of heavy starches and carbs later in the evening, I mean, you might as well just be tacking it right back onto your belly and wherever else, you know, it's going to be adding fat. So, but you see, people don't know that. So, you know, the, what I do is I love something called other uh, circadian rhythm uh, way of eating or time-restricted eating. And that is, who can't do this? I'm going to ask people just do this very simply. If I gave you just 12 hours to eat, you can easily get in three fairly decent meals. Sure. And then if I told you for 12 hours, would you please just not eat water? Perfectly fine. Tea? No. Rock on. So that would be like a 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. kind of proposition. I'm just playing with numbers here. Or it could be 8 to 8. Try not to eat after 8. Um, I have a little poem, The Only One of My Life. If you eat after eight, you gain a lot of weight. So um, <laughs> that being I like said, that. I know I kind of like it because that's what happens. And so, you know, unless you're some buffed out, you know, bodybuilding champion who's 20 years old and male. Um, OK, let's just talk about regular people. And so what I'm simply saying is, can you do that? Why is that important? For 12 hours of not eating, your body has a chance to be able to reset. And when it resets, um, you have a chance to be able to um, do all kinds of really good things. One is um, kind of clean up after yourself. When does housekeeping show up in a big business building? They show up when everyone else leaves so they can, you know, clean up the mess. They can't after show hours. up when you're still... Yeah, man, after hours. And that's what I love to call it, after hours. So now we've got that, Right. Um, and for 12 and 12, isn't that what you kind of did when you were growing up? You know, my mother would just, you know, oh my goodness gracious, you know, hell hath no fury. Um, if, if my little behind showed up in the kitchen after dinner and dinner was always at 6 PM when I was growing up and all that. And that was it, man, you were done. And we didn't pick it up again until, you know, seven in the morning. I mean, I had a nice 12 hour, not, not eating thing. And that was fabulous for my growth and development. All I'm asking for people to do is, would you stop already with, you stop know, eating after, Jesus after dinner, God. right? <laughs> well, well, you know, I'm, I'm hesitating to use the word fasting because there's all that weirdness with it, but really it's what we call natural fasting. 
It's natural. So this is this is part of the intermittent fasting. Um, well, you know, I, I diet plan. Yeah, well, I, I don't like that word. Okay. Um, intermittent fasting is a garbage can term for everything under there. It could be people who don't eat for an entire day once a week, or yeah, I'm going to a different place. I'm going to solid published science in time restricted feeding. And that is the work done by Dr. Sachin Panda. Uh, watch his TEDx video. It's just fabulous. And Sachin really explains brilliant science behind this. And, you know, if you want to drop weight, excess body fat, if you want to hold on to musculature, lean body mass, let alone build it, and if you want to have superb sleep, correct your hemoglobin A1C. In other words, if your blood sugars are off, you know, and they're too high, et cetera, this is a proven way to be able to pull this off. And it just works like a charm. So how many hours should you, you know, fast? At the very least 12. What we have found in a lot of our work, I published a piece in Nature a year ago playing with this idea. And I found that it is extremely easy for people to do a 1410, meaning that for 14 hours, um, you don't uh, have anything to eat, you know, water and whatever. Um, and you get a chance to eat your meals over the course of 10 hours. So reasonable. Or quite frankly, anything in between the 12 hours and the 14 hours. Nothing sacrosanct here. There's just a range. One day could be 14, one day could be 13, one day could be 12. It's just that you're going to get a better push on it for 14. Could you do more than that? Absolutely. You take it up to 16 hours. But once you hit 16 hours, one meal has to disappear because then you're only left with eight hours to um, eat. Um, and so uh, it's up to you. Most people would just blow off uh, breakfast and then defer to the other two meals. I think it's just so simple just to go 12-12 and then maybe add an extra hour when you can, add an extra two hours when you can, and stay within that range. You look at your body. You look at what happens. And if you're feeding it whole foods, not ultra processed foods, whole foods, right? Then, by definition, you know, you will see some spectacular changes over a fairly short period of time because your body is going to welcome this. By the way, your body is like, you know, if you eat, you know, the crazy way Sachin Panda basically pointed at, you know, the fact that people eat instead of over the course of, you know, 12 hours or 10 hours, what they classically eat over the course of, get this, anywhere between 15 to 16 and 17 hours in 24 hours. Wow. I mean, what? The That's insane. <laughs> well, and then they start eating, right? They start eating in the early to mid-afternoon. You're like, well, well, wait a minute. You're downloading everything in the worst time of day. And you're, you're, you know, you've got all of this tsunami of calories coming at you. And usually, let's just say it's not a head of lettuce. It's usually heavily dense, nasty boy, you know, ultra-processed fatty, salty, salty, refined. Absolutely. It's what I call the hyperpalatables, which I'll get into in a second. So, you know, when people do that, that's a 
guarantee for weight gain and for ill health. And when you do that and you're carrying a whole boatload of especially inner abdominal fat, which is so easy to happen, especially after the age of 40, then what happens is you're walking around inflamed. You're just one inflammatory mess. Now, why should you care? You say, well, so, yeah, well, inflammation is the foundation for all disease. So whether it's vulnerability toward viral infections, now you see why so many people who were not in super great shape ended up, you know, with problems with COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, well, they were already in an inflammatory state. So you might as well place a welcome mat there you know, for everything from heart disease to diabetes to infection. It just goes right down the list, let alone cognitive performance. So, you know, clean it up, clean it up. But now, Pam, let's be real. Nobody nobody has a perfect diet. I mean, if you're going to engage in a Mediterranean, I mean, regular exercise, focus on eating whole foods, Mediterranean kind of lifestyle. But isn't there room for the occasional bag of potato chips or occasional treat? I mean, you, you still can enjoy those things without triggering this inflammation. Oh, absolutely. You know, this this chronic inflammation comes from chronically eating things that are funky. So that means day in and day out, it's the same ultra-processed foods. Well, no, of course you should have a treat. Um, And then after a while, you learn the fine art of how to do a treat. So for instance, you know, when I go out with my handsome hubby, um, and now that we're able to actually go to a restaurant, um, she says in her little post-COVID way, (laughs) um, you know, if there's a dessert item or something that looks kind of interesting, you know, we do, we, we simply share it. Right. And if I'm out there with a bunch of friends, you know, we'll share stuff. And so why should I sit back and just, you know, down some Mount St. you know, cheesecake or something? I don't need that. Um, but what I do want is a wonderful, delicious, savory taste of it. Um, and that is my wonderful treat. And I really don't need more than that. And I'm going to tell you something. If you do what I'm telling you to do, then by definition, um, your body starts to re-regulate. Get this? Hold on now. It re-regulates appetite. So when it does that, it's 50 times easier to rein it in without having to grit your teeth and be all disciplined and everything. No, forget all that. Instead, what you're actually doing is you're putting yourself in a place where your body is easing into its natural circadian rhythm. It will thank you in a million ways. And one of the most important is reigning in your your appetite. Right. And you know what? The first bite is the best. And I think what you're talking about is that mindfulness, that which helps us connect with what we're eating. It focuses on the taste and the smell and the pleasure and and helps you slow down and really is so beneficial to helping you eat less, push away from the table, give your body time to react to the meal that you've just enjoyed without overeating. Yeah, and and there's a 
process called autophagy. Um, and this is basically the housekeeping uh, that needs to take place, but it won't start in until you've been, you know, really doing uh, at least a good solid eight to 10 hours of not eating. And then all of a sudden there's this beautiful kick in and it happens while you're sleeping, you know, and that's when you're literally going from cell to cell, cleaning up cellular debris and cellular damage and whatever. Um, and you can't have that if all you've left is like, you know, five hours of sleep uh, and and eating all the way up to that point. You're, there's absolutely no time for housekeeping. So no wonder you're going to be an inflammatory mess. So, hey, listen, everyone. Look, everyone knows what their trigger foods are. I got mine. Mm -hmm. You know, you got yours. <laughs> mm -hmm. For instance, I, I'm not a salt person at all. I mean, if I never saw salt again, I'd be, I, I could care less. Salt just doesn't do it for me. If it's in, if the little bit's in food, fine, whatever. You know, I use it in cooking, but I don't oversalt anything. I don't like salty things. Okay, so there's my issue there. All right. What about fat? What about um, something sugar? like a sugar? So these are the three, you know, things that oftentimes are big problems in terms of triggering the reward center in your brain. I talk about this in my book, The Hunger Fix, which is all about addictive eating patterns based upon solid science. So everyone knows what their vulnerability is. Everyone does. So I know what mine are. So what about yours? So what you have to do is you say to yourself, why would I keep that stuff around the house? Don't do that. You know, keep it out of the house, no matter what it is. It's so interesting. Ice cream is fine with me. I mean, I, it's perfectly fine. Honestly, one of those little pint things could last me three months. I just well, every now and then grab a spoon. That's impressive. <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, yeah, but do, do not have. A Georgetown, you know, cupcake anywhere near me. I, I, you know, a cupcake <laughs> to me is just a bunch of cake holding on to the big money, the big ticket item on top. Um, so, you know, no, I would go into like an insulin frenzy if one of those suckers was around me. So, um, but what's interesting is my husband, you know, totally would binge on ice cream. So I cannot ever have ice cream in the house or I have to hide it in one of our other refrigerators. And and if I want to have some, I make sure he knows that I never bought it in the first place. So it's hysterical, yet he'll never keep a cupcake around me. Um, and I have no idea why. But those are things why. that you you treat yourself to, right? Like when you're out, maybe you have a little ice cream or you exactly, get that cupcake. Exactly, exactly. Right. But it's a controlled situation. It's outside the house. And more than likely, we're sharing. And yeah. so then we're perfectly fine. But weird things happen when you bring in like big bags, big cartons, you know, big containers oh, of whatever. Oh, no, you bring those in the house. I mean, put a Dangerous, gun to your head. For oh, sure. it's all bad. Yeah. Well, uh, my th strategy, I have a sweet tooth and I try to always think about nature's candy, fruit. And how can fruit be, you know, like maybe you have, there's a little a fruit tart. Um, so may, not like the cheesecake that might be 
a little bit more dense in calories and fat, but how can you use fruit to satisfy your cravings? And then the other thing I do, Pam, I'm like a... um, I say be a B student. Nobody's perfect. Give yourself, though, that little bit of wiggle room in your diet because then you're not going to crave. And that's what I worry about is people who just crave and then it leads to binges and triggers all that overeating. All right, ladies, did you hear that out there? Because it's not men who do this. <laughs> Women are, are terrible when it comes to um, perfection. It's the P word. Yeah. You know, if I can't do it perfectly, it's not worth doing. And meanwhile, men are hysterical. They do exactly the opposite. They go, well, what's the least amount of anything I I can do, right, um, that will give me optimal results? So the least amount of the task to be able to achieve optimal results. And, and that's what they do. And that's why men are so successful with so much of this stuff, because they love being a B student. They, <laughs> they, they have no problem with that. B for them is like, bring it on. Women are like, it's A, a or it's nothing. A, no, right. It's A or it's nothing. It's like, well, well wait a minute. <laughs> Don't be doing that. Stop that right now. Stop that behavior immediately. And, and just live in the gray zone. Go right to that little B place and, be, and celebrate the fact that you did something well. And would you just take that word P, the perfect word, perfect, I did it perfectly, out of your vernacular mm-hmm. because that's not ever the goal. The goal is to do this, the best that you can do. Sticky, sustainable, right? Yeah, man. (laughs) And small steps. If you start taking fathom leaps, which is what I hear uh, coming out of people's mouths all the time. Oh, I'll drop 30 pounds in a month. No, the hell you won't. You know, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm an expert. No, Mm -hmm. it's not happening. It's, it's, but people don't realize it because they believe the media hype. You know, they see people, oh, they dropped all this weight in a very short period of time by spending through the nose on some completely useless product out there. Um, No, that's not what happens. What happens is it's small, sticky, sustainable steps that form an incredibly powerful foundation upon which you continue to build and build and build healthy habits that you do every day that you possibly humanly can because it is through practice that you cement so it's i'm i'm engaging in the practice of healthy lifestyle how many people out there know about a yoga practice a meditation practice well, what happened to the practice of self-care? And, you know, I'll probably end with this. And that is that, you know, you want to be able to lead all of this with self-compassion, self-forgiveness, and empathy. Because you're doing the best you can within the constraints and limitations of your own life. And man, sometimes there's just a a heap of those coming your way. And you do the absolute best you can under those circumstances, 
compare yourself only to yourself, give yourself kudos, give yourself compassion. That's the way you're able to continue to do the practice of self-care. I love it. It's the constant vigilance. You can't, you can't ever totally throw in the towel. You have to keep this compassionate approach, but yet you need to be that B student and follow a healthy diet and get the regular exercise. And I love your, your guidance, the 12-12. I think so many people are going to be able to follow that. You know, just take a look at the clock and start being mindful of, of when you eat and what you eat and try to be kind to yourself. Pam, this was amazing. You are so, you're so inspirational and I know why you're so successful because you walk the walk, you talk the talk, you live the life and you're so kind and you give grace to people to say, you know, be kind to yourself, but get back out there and keep it going. Absolutely. I mean, there's just no question about it. The, the, the whole issue is being able to get out there and just every day, even if it's a little, you know, inch, an inch of, of uh, progress, that an inch is better than nothing. And that's what's key here. It's going forward. Hell yeah, it it's is. It's going forward. My girlfriend has a blog called Better is the New Perfect. And I love that because it's true. You just keep trying to improve. You want to see those grandchildren, you want to be at that wedding, you know, keep those pictures on your desk and keep you focused on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah, love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was amazing. And I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your very busy day to be a guest on our podcast. Listen, when you got a hold of me, I said, girlfriend, a chance <laughs> to hang out. Let's oh, do it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. You're so very welcome. Thank you for listening to the True Health Revealed podcast. We appreciate your time and hope you'll join us again. For more information on today's episode and to subscribe to future podcasts, please visit truehealthinitiative.org. And to help us continue the fight against fake facts, please consider donating to our nonprofit True Health Initiative.